All right, everybody, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. My name is Jeff. I get the privilege of serving as one of the pastors on staff. So glad that you guys came. If you're a guest with us, uh, look, we just want you to be comfortable, relax, uh, enjoy your time you know, with us today. If this is your church and you normally worship here, I just want to hear from you. How many of you guys are excited to be at New Life Church to worship Jesus today? Come on. Come on. <clears throat> Yeah, so am I, so am I. Uh, so uh, look, man, today, today we've made a, uh, a slight change uh, in, our, in our service. Uh, we are going to be taking some time just to kind of focus in on some of the flooding that has taken place here in the Kearney area and the surrounding areas, some of them being hit for the second time. Uh, so I know that uh, I'm speaking to our North Platte campus. I just want to remind you we are one church in multiple locations, one church in multiple locations. So whether you are new with us from Ogallala or you're at our North Platte campus, man, when one of our campuses gets hit, I mean, we all get hit and we all kind of have an opportunity to respond and, uh, and meet certain needs. I've been really proud of our congregation. Uh, I do, I do kind of want to start out with just kind of a, a, just a, some updating you on a few things. Uh, obviously, you're all aware that the community of Kearney, you know, was hit with some flooding. And uh, some of the people here in, in our church have, have had total devastation uh, to garages and basements having, you know, being damp to, you know, photographs being lost. So it's, it's like a little dampness in a basement to total devastation. And inside of just our body, and we are only one church in the Kearney area, obviously, uh, we, we've felt the pain. Uh, we've felt the ripple effect of having water come busting through an egress window. Having water, you know, come flooding back over again. Uh, floors that were just recently put down from the last round of flooding that we've had. Uh, here at the Kearney campus, we stayed from day one. From Tuesday afternoon, we stayed in close uh, contact with our city governments, both here in Kearney and in communities like Gibbon and in Elm Creek. Uh, we stayed in close communication with the emergency management uh, director here in Buffalo County as well. Multiple conversations, text messages, and phone calls. Uh, close proximity with our police department and our fire departments, both here in Kearney and again in other communities, such as Gibbon, when you know there was no more sandbags and sandbags are on their way. And we said, you got to let us know as soon as they arrive and We'll get the word out to our people. And we've been in close communication with uh, the Red Cross. Some of you may have heard that the Kearney campus was going to be used as a shelter by the Red Cross for people to actually live in our church. And I just, I want to make sure that you understand that that that, that was true. We were willing uh, to do that. It's just that uh, when it came down to it, today would have been the day that they were going to use us. And they, they said, look, we don't feel like there is that need that's out there. Uh, so we're not, we're not going to tap into that resource just yet. And we said, okay. We said, all right. Um, but just know we're here and we want to serve. We believe that one of the assets that we have is that we have one of, if not the largest church like facility square foot wise um, in our city. And there's a lot of square feet here, especially if you haven't walked around the entire building. And so we were like, oh, we think that's one of the things that we could offer. Uh, and we have some showers here as well. There was just going to be a delicate balance between our sunshine world. 140 kids are in our Carney campus every single day. That's a lot of kids, people. All right. They're over there. That's why I work over there. Um, 
Just saying. I do walk over. I do walk over. I get coffee, smile, you know, do my the lead pastor role. But um, Lynette, Lynette Puccini uh, does an incredible job of leading our sunshine world, by the way. So I don't even know if she's here, but I'm just letting it out. Just letting it out. So they do, they do a great job. So there was the balance there that we were going to have to work with. But even with that balance, we were willing to walk through that pain if it was going to meet the needs of others. Uh, we have activate, activated many, many volunteers right out of our church uh, through our website, through email, through social media efforts. And so many of you guys responded to that. People from our community that are not even a part of our church were going to our website and signing up going, I don't know where to serve, but I'm here. I want to serve. Would you please let me know? And then all throughout the week, we just kept sending out emails. And if you had signed up for the text messaging feature, then you got that the quickest. And you got a text message about where needs were at and where you could go as we were finding out about them. Um, and, and through that volunteerism, then we were able to respond to many different flood needs. And I just, I just think it's amazing. I think it's awesome uh, the way that I watched you guys respond uh, to all of these needs that are all around us. And I just want to say thank you for being an amazing congregation. You're going to hear more about that in this service today, though. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of pick up where we left off and with, our, uh, with our teaching series. Our teaching series is uh, built out of 2 Timothy, and it's the second letter that Paul wrote to his, uh, his young pupil, if you can call him that, because he really was, Timothy. And Timothy now pastors in a thriving community, a, a metropolis, if you will, of um, e-commerce, of, not e-commerce, <laughs> that's today, people. <laughs> Of commerce, though. They were a center of commerce. They sat at the end of a very long river. They sat, you know, on, on the edge uh, next to the ocean as well. And so they had trading ships coming in. They had materials coming down the river. It was a very wealthy, uh, you know, place. It was thriving. A lot of life was happening in the town of Ephesus where Timothy was pastoring. And Paul, on the other hand, was in Rome. And uh, he had been basically given a, a sentence, a death sentence, and he was in a dungeon prison underneath the ground, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't the kind of prison like you would be thinking. I told you about it yes, or last week, I showed you some pictures of it last week, but we're talking basically a hole in the ground that's fortified with stones um, that was no bigger than a master bedroom at a house. And then multiple prisoners would be in there. There was one hole in the next level up that let prisoners down in and out of this thing. So um, it's like low ceilings. It's damp. It's cold. It's dark. There's no windows outside. There's no cable TV. All the things we talked about. Okay. It's just a, it's a dreary place. And I got to visit this historic location when I was in Rome just a couple of weeks ago. And, and when I was there and I realized that this is the place that Paul wrote one book in one book only, 2 Timothy. It's the only place he wrote that. And I began to read 2 Timothy. And as I read it, I told you last week, my heart was, it was stirred. And tears, tears started flowing down my face as I read these amazing passages that Paul was writing with some of his last efforts some of his last days and hours on this earth, he was writing to his friend Timothy, <clears throat> trying to make sure that the generation 
that was going to come after him and the leadership that was going to lead the church into the future was leading it with the right perspective. Those are the words that we're looking at today. Now, I asked you, I said to you, look, each week we're going to look at a chapter. So today we were going to look at chapter two and then chapter three next week and then chapter four. And I did say that, but in light of the flooding that's happened, I switched things up just a bit. And we went to chapter three today. So for any of you that have been reading and you've been trying to stay connected to this and you've been reading chapter two over and over and over again to try to really, you know, glean the heart behind it, you're going to be really well prepared for next week. (laughs) Well prepared. If you didn't look at chapter three, today we're just going to look at the first five verses of it. Now, before we read it, I just can't, I need to let you know. All right. Uh, I, I took us to this, to this passage because I think it's fitting for where we're at right now. It's fitting for this difficult season that we're walking through. I believe that the words you're going to read in the end of today's message will be powerful in their ability to encourage you. And they're going to be very straightforward in their ability to instruct you. And so with that said, I, I want to look at this passage. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and let's go to verses 1 through 5. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, look, uh, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there'll be very difficult times. And we're walking through even some of those difficult times right now. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and they'll have no self-control. They'll be cruel and they will hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Then he ends it with this. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And then he says this word very strongly to to Timothy. Stay away from people like that. Now, if, if I am you, and I'm sitting there, knowing how I just set this passage up, I'd be wondering to myself, how in the world does this even fit? How does this fit where we're at? And that's a great question. I want you to think with me for a minute about what, how a healthy tree, before we talk about this passage, how a healthy tree, you know, does its thing. A healthy tree has a few components. A healthy tree has a root system deep into the ground, right, that's pulling nutrients and water, right, and all of the things of life that it needs up through the trunk of the tree to the branches and then out of the branches ends up producing the fruit of the tree. Okay, now look, in a very similar way, the same thing happens for the ungodly person. It's just that the root system, the root system that they're pulling from and the trunk of the ungodly is not producing life. But the root system and the trunk come down to two basic things, the love of self and the love of money. Remember back to 2 Timothy 3, 2. Okay, here's here's what it said. For people will love only themselves and their money. Now, when Paul wrote those words, he was meaning for those two words to be like the root system and the trunk for everything else that he was getting ready to communicate. Basically, what Paul's saying in this passage is that the love of self and the love of money, they produce a fruit. Here's what the fruit is. Boasting, arrogance, cruelty towards others, 
disobedience towards both parents and to authorities in this world, and ungratefulness. And he added a couple of other pieces, but the gist of what we just read boiled down to those few things. So Paul is helping us to see that in these days in which we live, the demise of humanity is going to come down to two critical things. Loving ourselves more than we love anything else, and loving our money more than we love anything else. So in this culture in which we live in today, called America, and called 2019, in this culture in which we live in, what does it really look like to love self? Like, how would you define that in the culture in which we live? How would you paint the picture to help someone understand how this passage of Scripture is really being lived out in our lives of loving self and loving money? I want to take a stab at it. I want to take an opportunity. I want to take an opportunity to draw a picture for you with a few statements. I think the, one of the ways that you can define what it means to love self and love money in our culture is basically, it comes down to a few things. Let me, let me kind of highlight a few of them. Left to our own demise, okay, we as humans, this is what we would do, left to our own demise, with no other influence of Christ-centered influence in our, lot, in our lives, left to our own demise, here's what we would focus on. Me, me, me with a devouring hunger to possess more, more, more. This is how we live. We live with a value system that the more I gain, the more valuable I am. That's a love me, love money. The more I gain, the more valuable I am. That's how we rate ourselves. We look at ourselves in our culture and we we go, look, wow, I got a really big house. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to sell that one to get a bigger one. Right? I got a really great car. I know, but I'm going to get rid of that one to get a more expensive one. And it's not about gaining things, guys. Please, please listen to me. It's not about gaining things. It's the motive of why we gain things. So if you are super blessed, right, and, and you just been, I mean, God's blessed you with all kinds of resources, great. I, I don't think that you should be insecure about that. I just think we need to look at the motives of our hearts. Why? Why are we a possess more, more, more? Why are we a me, me, me centered culture? Because our value system has been based on it. This is what we do for others as well. We judge others and their value to us based on what they have. Now watch me on this one. We look at others and we go, look how much they have. Wow. Man, and we'll do a few things. We'll either suck up to them to try to like reap some of that, or we will find someone that has nothing. We'll suck up to them because we feel like we have so much it makes us feel better about ourselves. We'll do this both ways, right? And we'll judge people based on what they have because that's the value system in which we live in. Let me, let me continue to define what it looks like to live in a culture of you know, loving self and loving money. That we tend to think the best about ourselves and the worst about others. That's what we tend to do. Instead of assuming the best about others and humbling our value of ourselves, we elevate the opinion of ourselves and we devalue the opinion of others. We think the worst about them and the best about us. Now, if I'm stepping on your toes, just know this. I'm your pastor. I'm a little chubby. But I love you. My name's Jeff. I'm your friend. All right? So if I'm stepping on your toes, 
Just know, I'm your friend. I'm just trying to be your pastor, trying to help you out a little bit, trying to help you figure out what God's word says so that we can really truly apply it to our lives. Because let me say, there's nothing worse than being a Christian that thinks they know what it means to be a Christian only to find out that God's word says, no, you're supposed to live different. Now everything has to change. So how about we just all kind of humble ourselves and go, you know, there's something about today's message I need to hear because I don't have this down. That's Jeff Baker speaking. And I would encourage you to be the same way. Here, here's some more about what it looks like to live in this culture of loving self and loving money more than anything else. We tend to boast more than we encourage. We tend to boast more than we encourage. And we talk more than we listen. Now, you probably have found that true in your life. And if you haven't, you've seen it, at least in others. Let me finish with a couple of more statements of what it looks like to love ourselves and love our money more than anything else. We tend to love pleasure more than we love God. Very pleasure-driven culture. I, I, I fall prey to the same things that you fall prey to. Right? So I'm just saying that that's kind of who we are. We, we love the pleasuring of ourselves, right? And it's what, it perpetuates the love of self and the love of money. But let me make one last statement that might sting just a bit for all of us, and me colluded, that we love our time more than we love time with God. It's like one of our major commodities that we wrestle with right now in loving self and this love of money is time. Time, and for some of you, has become more valuable than even cash itself. And we love our time. But when we love our time more than we love time with God, that's a devastating place to live, guys. So easy in these end of days to get wrapped up in the love of self and the love of money. And then what you're going to find is the fruit of that is going to be some things that are pretty ugly. And sometimes you don't even see the fruit of it, but others see it and they're tasting of it. And they're like, oh, that's bitter. Your life is bitter. It's leaving a bitter taste in my mouth. Guys, I just don't think that's how, who we want to be. So with that said, painting that bad picture, with that said, this past week, I've seen the godly in us shining through. It's been amazing. It's been a lot of fun to see. I've seen the best in you rise up. I've seen just the opposite of what we're talking about here come to the surface. And for those of you who have jumped in and you've served others, who have given of your resources to meet the needs of others, let me just ask you this one simple question that you don't have to answer out loud. How good did that feel when you went to bed that night? It felt good because it was right. It was rewarding. No one had to pat you on the back. In fact, you didn't want it. Because it was just right. That's why the opposite of 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 is the example of a godly lifestyle, a a Christ-centered person. So I've seen the tragedy and I've seen the Jesus-centered vision bring out the best in this congregation. And that's what I love. I love that. I love it. And I've also seen you give of your resources in a generous way. You've been combating this love of self and this love of money. And I couldn't be more proud of you. It's the reason why we we launched Kingdom Builders. And we launched it just in time. Kingdom Builders is a tool in our church that we will use week in and week out. Why? Because it combats against the love of self and the love of money. 
And it forces us to focus on the needs of others, to bless others, and to give of our resources. And in the years to to come, in our future, we're only going to wrap up the sacrifice that we're going to give through Kingdom Builders. I'm just forewarning you right now. We started out in what I would consider something small. And we're going to ramp it up. And we're going to encourage more and more sacrificial giving from all of us. So that in these end of days, we can fight against the love of self and the love of money. And we can meet the needs that Jesus has in Nebraska, in our backyard. Because Kingdom Builders are going to be meeting some of these needs. And Kingdom Builders is going to meet needs around the world. With an intent to see people find Jesus and have their lives changed by him. See, because the essence of Christianity isn't about you sitting on the throne and how much you can gain. The essence of Christianity is to dethrone self and let Jesus be on the throne and for Jesus to maximize everything that he's blessed you with. And this past week, we've seen that at our church. And I want to help you capture the heart of that just a little bit more. And so to help you capture that, I'm going to bring out two generals that have been on our staff that have been out there in the field leading you and helping you meet needs all over the place. I want to bring out two of our staff members that have just done an amazing, incredible job this week of leading our church to, to meet needs. And that's Pastor Dean and Pastor Nate. Why don't you guys give it up for them really quick? Come on. Right on, guys. Well, look, I just called you generals. We I heard that, yeah. You, you got a promotion. You got a promotion. Really, all that means, because I was in the military, all that really means is that you don't get really paid much more, but you get a lot more responsibility. That's Boom. what it means, all yeah. Right. Go figure. Yeah, 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 noted. All right, there you go, noted. Hey, really quickly, let's jump back to Tuesday. Tuesday, we come out of a staff meeting, yeah. right? We go to lunch together, and we're... You know, I mean, after the staff meeting, we're instantaneously getting bombarded with these flood reports. But we we can't put two and two together because Dave and Tiff just got off the interstate and they had just driven driven up, you know, um, Highway 2, or 2nd right there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They had just driven up that. I mean, they had just come through there. And now we're hearing that all of that's been closed off. So take us back to Tuesday and the needs as they started rolling in. Yeah, I mean, my first thought goes back to during staff meeting. I mean, we're trying to focus during staff meeting, and my phone is blowing up with reports of things that are happening around the community and seeing how South, South Kearney is getting I think we even funded. have some pictures of things as well. Right, yeah, right. absolutely. So, I mean, that was just incredible right away, you know, is just seeing all that coming in while we're trying to focus on staff meeting and then coming out of staff meeting and immediately as our executive team, as we met, you know, we sat in Jeff's office, and I love the heart of that team, and we said, we have resources here. How can God use those to impact others in the community? Let's figure it out, and let's get them deployed. Yeah, and that's exactly what we did, and we just jumped in. So um, really, how have you guys observed the response of our community? You know, our community is both our church, but it's also just the community in which we live in, right? You guys have been out in the field. So how have you observed the response of our community to really this second round of flooding, you know, for many? Yeah, it's really been incredible just to see the, the community just stepping up and just loving our neighbors and going out of the way. Um, you know, I just think of people in the community where if you were a farmer, uh, you got called upon for pumps. I mean, it, there was no way we were able to get into a house if it wasn't for um, the farmers that just showed up with, uh, you know, amazing pumps that could just pump water out because there, one house had 15 feet of water in it. 
I mean, that's just incredible to think of the destruction and for us to even be able to get a team ready to go for the next day. We needed that. And so those people just said, hey, here's what we got. We got a resource. We'll give it to you. But then just to see the people from the community of New Life just stepping up and saying, you know what? I'm willing to help whatever I can do. I'll be there to support my neighbor and, the, and the body, be the body of Christ. So it was just incredible to see God just do some amazing things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not only seeing the people from New Life respond and to sign up and say, yeah, we want to be a part of volunteering, but seeing so many people from the community even sign up on our website and say, we want to be involved. But going out into the community, seeing Salvation Army and seeing the work that they were doing and gathering resources and deploying them. Uh, Hot Meals USA is based out of Kearney, a ministry here. We had people that were from New Life that were deployed helping Hot Meals serve meals in the community. And they told me the other day that they've served now over 3,000 meals in the last few days alone and getting those meals out. Incredible. Incredible. That's good, right? So... On that note, because you kind of started the next question, really, which is, and that's great. Uh, I, I just kind of want to hear a story that really, it, a story that moved your heart, right? It's the kind of story that at the end of the night, you reflected back on it. It really, it moved your heart as you watched our community rally around the devastating needs that have been presented from our congregation, though. Yeah. Right? So what's a story that really moved your heart, Nate? Well, I, I would definitely say, um, you know, we have a value, or we have a, a core value here at New Life that we're better together, and the way that we really meet needs is through life groups. And so I would say, because I don't want to name drop, but there were some amazing people. I mean, there was people that came up with, you know, that donated an apartment complex for a family to move right into. And by the end of the week, we were able to move a family in. Um, we had individuals say, you know what? Don't worry about that. Go ahead and take all that furniture and throw it out. We'll buy it all new for them. And we've had people go, hey, you know what? That that that, that kitchen needs a gut job. Take it all out. I mean, we've had people just step up with, you know, with, you know, drywall coming, things like that. I mean, there's just have been a number of people that said, you know what, we can meet that need. We've, we've got the resources. We can go make that happen. And it's wow. just been mind boggling wow. just to go, dude, to see the selflessness of our people um, is been incredible. Wow. Wow. Dean, what about yeah, you? What I mean, your heart? Wow. I mean, there's so many stories that have been humbling of seeing God's provision. I think a couple of things that come to mind is just, you know, we're sitting here hearing these needs and as it's coming into communication central, as I called my office for the last few days <laughs> uh, and hearing these needs come in, we're like, Lord, I don't know where this is going to come from. And then we're praying and then suddenly we put it out there and this person can meet this need. This person can bring this tractor. This person can do this. This agency can provide us with fans to bring out into the community. But I think some of the most humbling moments that I recall, and there are some photos that were up on the, on the screen here uh, rotating through, is it's showing up, on, showing up at some of these homes for the first time when after the flood just happened. And to see the despair in the people's eyes, to see the hopelessness that they were experiencing and feeling, and then to come to the end of the project or near to the end of the project for what we were going to do and to be there praying with them. There's an example right there on the screen where we're praying with a family. And what happened in that moment was there was joy that was coming over them and there was hope. And it was just reminding me of Romans 15, 13 that says, God is the source of hope. And that he wants to fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him through the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see God doing. Through us, God was giving hope into the community. And it was changing lives um, right there before us. Yeah, yeah. What, what about this, guys? Are, um, are there current needs in our congregation right now that you're aware of that are you know, ongoing right now? 
that, you know, people could be a part of and help meet? Yeah, you know, here's the amazing thing. So in the, for this week, uh, between just things that we've done here at New Life, we have uh, completed 12 different projects uh, in the community here in Gibbon, Odessa, and here in Kearney. And so that's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely it, fantastic. It's been awesome. Incredible, incredible. So no, that is good. That's been awesome. There's a few things that are ongoing that are more specialty needs. Definitely specialty needs where, you know, when we get into to hanging drywall, um, if that's a specialty of yours or you just got uh, a strong back and a weak mind, hey, we could use you. And so we could use you. That's to, a great statement. To, we could use you to help. Oh, my word. <laughs> Because sometimes we just need hands. It's, it's not about, you know, can I, am I specialized in anything? We just need you to get stuff into a home so that we can get specialists to get things up. And so those are the things that we're going to be coming up against um, shortly. Um, and so there are needs that are still, because we, we gutted everything. We did all the demo work. Now we got to reconstruct. And that's where, um, you know, if, you're fam- if, if you were a family member that, or a family that lost stuff, it's like, okay, how do I recoup all this stuff? So um, they can get stuff at cost. People are giving, you know, discounts and things like that, but now it's like, okay, I can't hire somebody to come in and do this, but if you're a specialist here in the church, we may, we're definitely going to be calling upon you to help out get some of these things done. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that many, many people that have, you know, experienced water damage, um, their, their insurance is not going to cover all of that if it's going to cover any of it, because it's going to be classified as a flood, and they may not have flood insurance. Most of them do not. So, look, to wrap this up, Guys, I know you're not professionals. How long do you guys think this recovery is going to take? And then how can our congregation, what can they like do right now to make sure that they could be a part of any of that ongoing recovery like you've talked about? And there'll be other things that will come to the surface yeah. as well. So how long and how do we get involved so we can love others, right, and not love self, and we can be generous with what God's given us instead of just hoarding it all for ourselves? Yeah. What can we do? Yeah, yeah. And if you want to cover that first part of that, yeah. I can do the second part. I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked to specialists, and we've been looking in it. You know, just it, once we get a house dried, it, we, have a, we have at least a minimum of 10 days before we can do anything. So right now we're just trying to get fans going, humidifiers in different homes, things like that to get things dry. And then we got 10 days to wait. And then once you check out for mold and all that stuff, then you're going to start. So we're, I mean, I'm, I'm talking four, four months at minimum before some of these people are going to have everything back. And like you said, for some of them in Gibbon, this is a second round. I mean, there are stories of people that were moving in this week, had just got done recovering from the last flood, and they got hit again. And so, you know, how it is if you helped out then you know we've been noticing it's like hey once you've served once it's like i'm kind of served out i don't know if i can do this again and so just the ongoing of needing help and support yeah. you know is is going to so, so a four month minimum i think for some people and you know for others if it was more minor you know it could be within the few weeks yeah absolutely and so you know we want to say probably the most important thing you can do is if you go to our website and go to you know mynewlifechurch.com slash flood and on there is a volunteer form that you can fill out and as a part of that you can receive instructions for signing up for our text group uh, where we're sending out communications and so we have an ongoing database there and so what's been incredible is the cooperation that we've had between new life and the community and different agencies and so those agencies we're staying in contact with they're contacting us with needs and so we want to help dispatch that out to uh, to each one of you and so if you sign up on there that puts you into the database and then we can stay best connected with you and the needs as they come up.
Yeah, so those are some ways that you guys can be involved. I want to encourage you to be praying for those that, especially those that have lost everything. I mean, they're not even in their homes, you know, right now. Uh, those that have been displaced. I really want to encourage you uh, to do that. In fact, uh, Dean, would you, would you just kind of lead us um, in just a short prayer and kind of get our hearts kind of kick-started in that direction? Would you do that? Thanks. Join with us. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you as a congregation right now. And, and Father, we lift up to you those who have been impacted from little ways to big ways uh, because of this storm. Uh, Father, may your hope just invade their lives now. Lord, may you fill them with a joy and peace as they see the body of Christ rallying around them. Lord, encourage them, guide them, protect them, Father. Uh, provide for them financially, lead them with resources and, and uh, with equipment and those things that are needed, Father, to continue to help them in this restoring process. Lord, we pray your protection over their health, over their families, and Lord, guide each one of us, Lord, as we minister uh, to them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Right on. Guys, thanks for serving. Thanks for leading us. I appreciate your involvement. Thanks for being out here today. Can you guys, once again, just show your appreciation for the leadership? Thanks. Love it. <clears throat> let's, just, uh, let's just wrap this up. Uh, in the midst of all of this, there was like 60 people, volunteers that were out at the North Platte campus on Saturday doing a bunch of work as well. And we've got three different opportunities for you to serve at the Ogallala campus. So we're just throwing all kinds of opportunities at you to stop loving self and to stop loving money. You see what we're doing there? It's just our way of helping you. All right. But can I, let me just ask you a question in wrapping up. How many of you guys would say, I want to learn how to love people more. Right. I want to learn how to be more generous with what God's given me. If that's you. If you just kind of either physically raise your hand or you raise your hand in your heart, I want to figure out how to love people more and I want to figure out how to be more generous. Like I want the last, last of my days. I want the second half of my life. I want the rest of my life, no matter where you're at in age, to love people more and to be more generous. I don't know if you saw it or not, but I think part of the answer to that was found in the passage that we read. I want to take you back to it. It was verse 5. Paul was writing to Timothy, and he says, look, in the last days, people are going to act religious, but they will reject the power, watch this, that could actually make them godly. Then he goes, stay away from people like that. So first off, what does it look like to basically not reject the power that could make you godly? What would it look like to embrace the power that could make you godly? which would cause you to love others more and cause you to be more generous and find all of these horrific things like that were the fruit of that, you know, diminishing in your life. It would first start with total surrender to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the first move to embracing the power that can make you godly. A total surrender to letting Jesus be the Lord and the leader of your life. If you haven't made that step today, I want to encourage you. That's your first step. If you need to return to that step, Return to that step. If you've drifted from Jesus being the Lord and the leader of your life, come back to Jesus being the Lord and the leader of your life. That's first and foremost to embrace the power that can make you godly. Secondly, though, is this. A total surrendering to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, once you surrender your life to Christ, 
There is this ongoing surrendering to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It isn't just a one, a one prayer fix all moment. It's now a lifestyle of surrendering. That's why I love the tone of my language. Surrender to Jesus. Why? Because every day you wake up is going to be another day you surrender. Now to the leadership, the power of the Holy Spirit, whose job, by the way, is to lead you into a lifestyle of godliness. It's his job. Have you heard his voice lately? Have you sensed his intuitive nudging on your heart? Have you surrendered in obedience to what he's been leading you to do? Have you brushed it off? I want to encourage many of you who have made Jesus the Lord and leader of your life to pray today. Lord, let my ears and my heart be more in tuned with your Holy Spirit than ever before. Speak to me. Convict me of my sins that I might repent. Speak to me that I might mesh with you and meet the needs of others. Speak to me. Your servant is listening. I would encourage you to speak that way. Thirdly, don't disassociate yourself from this world, but stop allowing this world to influence the way you live. That's what Paul meant by stay away from people like that. He knew you can't just isolate yourself away from this world and just hang out with other people that are like-minded to be Christ-centered. You have to go to your job. You have to walk in your community. You have to rub shoulders with others that have yet to say Jesus is the Lord and the leader. So it's impossible to isolate yourself away. But it is possible to stop allowing that to be an influence. Be careful. Be very careful. Those are three quick ways that you can embrace the power that makes you godly instead of rejecting it. Surrender totally to Jesus Christ as your Lord and leader. Daily surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then make sure that the influences of your life are influencing you in a godly way and not just in a world-centric way because the world is drifting harder and harder with a steeper slope than ever before to a love of self and a love of money that's just going to continue to produce this ungodliness. I'm calling you as your pastor and as your friend to a higher level of living a higher standard of living, a biblical lifestyle. Let's figure out this week, as there still needs, how to diminish ourselves, how to diminish our love for all the things we can get our hands on, and let's figure out how to love others and figure out how to be more generous with what God's given us. And if that's who you want to be, then I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we spend these next few minutes in worship. And let me pray for you. Father, as we wrap up this service, And we go into this time of just worshiping you. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would show up in a powerful way, that you would move upon our hearts. Lord, we don't want to be guilty of loving self and money. We want to be guilty of loving you and others and letting you use what we have in a generous way. So Lord, would you meet with this congregation? Would you show up right where they're at? Would you move upon their hearts? Would you help them know that you're still in control even though we've walked through difficult moments? Would you comfort those that are in need? Would you empower us that have something to give? Would the power of the Holy Spirit speak and convict us of our sins that separate us from you? And would the power of the Holy Spirit speak to us so that we can figure out how to use what you've given us to minister to those that are in their greatest need? So Jesus, we invite you to move in our hearts and we invite you to move at our campuses right now. We invite you to move through worship and draw us close to yourself 
so that as we walk out of the doors of this church today, we would love more like you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.